What's happening, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. We're going to have a little in the lab with Drew Doherty a little bit later, talking a little bit of OTAs. Well, Mark, I figured I'd hit you to this evening mm-hmm. with a little either-or AFC South oh boy. plus okay. style. <laughs> AFC South plus. Yeah, which means we'll do It sounds more like the than- new uh, app for the AFC South. AFC South Plus, Plus, where you can watch all the programming related to AFC South for a small monthly fee. Right, exactly. Small monthly fee, exactly. That's Except you don't have to pay, you, the listener, don't have to pay the small monthly fee. Now, either or, you know it pretty pretty well. Yeah. Okay? Uh, I present to you um, a scenario or a thought, and I give you two options. Sometimes three, but two, and then you have to decide, you have to explain yourself, and then I give you thumbs up, thumbs down, depending on. I really don't, but. Ready? Yeah. So here we go. It's going to start with running back you hate to face mm. the most in the mm. AFC South in 2023. Mm. Maybe Ooh, not before. I see, I see. Maybe not after. I see where you're going here, Johnny. But right now. Okay. It's a three headed monster. Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. Titans, Jonathan Taylor, Colts, or Travis Etienne, Jaguars. Which one would you rather not face in 2023? Ooh, gosh, you know, didn't Etienne have a really good game against yep. the Ah, te- oh, I don't yep. like that. I don't Gashed like that about us. him. Gashed us. Had a good game. Yep. I did not like that at all. Mm-hmm. I did not like seeing that because that was... I'm not going to call it an unexpected development for them <laughs> last year, yeah. but it was an unwelcome development. That's a good way of putting it. Unwelcome. ETN, he was hurt his rookie year, and then he goes for 108 on, hold on, folks, nine carries. Nine carries oh. for 108, Johnny. I knew it was bad. I knew it was bad. I didn't know it was he had that. A, he had a 62-yarder. In but, yeah, that's, right, so that, well. that helps the yard per carry average. Uh, and if I'm Sean Pendergast, I'm adding up the other eight carries and dividing it by, let's see, what it would be. It's a lot of yards per carry still. Yeah. Okay? It's, it's a still lot. eight for 46. It's too many. We don't like Roughly it. Roughly six yards a carry. Not one little bit. So I'm going to say it's not ETN, though. It's probably, I'm going to say it's Jonathan Taylor. Okay. Not that I'm. I'm fine with Derrick Henry now. Not a problem anymore. No, he's always a problem, Johnny. Derrick Henry is still a nightmare, and it's going to take me a long time to get over it because his last game against the Texans, Houston held him below 200 yards. Now, we hung up a banner. No, we didn't. But if we were the Colts, we would have. have, We should have after the four times before that because he had that big run against us, and I thought, oh, no, here we go again. And he then had a from 40, that point he, forward, yeah, it was it was good. Blowed he had it a down. Forty-eight yard run, right? Yeah. And the rest of the day, you kind of he had gashes and he had runs, but you held him in check relative to who he is. Right. right and on right. a day when Malik Willis is playing, you feel a whole lot better about the situation when you're getting a lot of third down opportunities on defense. And that's exactly what the Texans did on Christmas Eve in Nashville. Won that game that way. So maybe I shouldn't speak too soon because Henry's still a terror. And boy, banner hanging last year. I hung up a banner for stop <laughs> banner, Mahomes. Banner stop Mahomes in overtime. That was one banner I hung up. Yeah. And yeah. held Derrick Henry below 150 yards. That was another banner. But I'm going to say it's Taylor because Taylor back fresh. 
Colts rejuvenated, Shane Steichen, whatever he cooks mm-hmm. up, Anthony Richardson being concerned about what he can offer or if it's Minshew or whatever. I'm kind of selling myself on Taylor here. Boy, this division is really running back. You, though. I mean, With Henry, ETN, Damian Pierce, and Jonathan Taylor, it's a good running back division, maybe the best in the league. I know. And I would say it's Taylor. I mean, if you go a step deeper, Tajay Spears with the Titans, uh, Zach Moss with the Colts, Devin Singletary with the mm. Texans. Mm. I mean, that's seven legit dudes yeah. Yeah. that if Spears pans out, that's going to be a problem in Tennessee. But we all know, obviously, it revolves around Derrick Henry. Okay. At the end of 2023. Yeah. Oh, we- by the way, one, one thing. Let me interrupt you. Okay. You mentioned Let's Zach Moss. Do you remember what he had against the Texans on closing day? Oh, I think he had like 13 broken tackles. I know that. He had 114 yards on 18 carries. You think the run defense in the division, uh, it's a little tough last year. I love what D'Amico said yesterday when he was asked about last year's run defense or whatever. (laughs) Last year, what is... I was in San Francisco. <laughs> right. what? what does last year have to do with anything? Why did you ask Jimmy Ward about last year's Texans run defense? You could tell he was withholding a chuckle, too. Uh, like, that has nothing to yeah. do with anything. I get it because you and I are going to talk about this, yeah. how they've improved. Yeah. But different personnel, different coaching staff and everything. D'Amico doesn't care what they did last year. I don't even know if he's looking. He's probably looking at individual performances last right. year of guys who are still on this squad. But and yeah, he probably is looking at some of those stats, but he doesn't want to talk about it because this is a new beginning. Yeah, yeah, you can't you you can't reference last year to this year. You, it's just not wise. It's just not wise. And, and everybody will be asking, well, hey, what's the difference? And, and, and I get it now, like asking a question now, but once you kind of that kind of thing of, hey, how is it going to be different? I, I don't know. I don't know what last year. I mean, I know what last year looked like, but I don't know. D'Amico's kind of withholding a chuckle with that one. But uh, either way, all right, let's move on to this one. At the end of 2023, that's the season we got coming up. Yeah. yeah. At the end of 2023, the best receiver in the AFC South will be Either Michael Pittman or Calvin Ridley. Michael Pittman with the Colts, Calvin Ridley of the Jags is the only two options you have. Now, it might be somebody else completely. Traylon Burks might go off. Yeah. You know, a Texans receiver uh, might, like Nico Collins might catch 180 passes. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying at the end of 2023, the two options you have as the best receiver in the AFC South, Calvin Ridley, who hasn't played since 2021, like midway yeah. through 2021, so he suspended all last year, then traded the Jags. Michael Pittman, who now has to live life with Anthony Richardson, and how does that play a role? Pittman, either Pittman or Ridley. It's go. Pittman. It's Pittman. Ridley's mm. best season was wow. 2020, the COVID wow, wow. year, 90 catches for 143. Can he get back to that? I would say. Look, he's got the quarterback to help him get there. Yeah. And we just talked about their running game. Some of the other weapons they have, Ingram, the tight end. In other words, the more weapons you have, the more likely you are to have opportunities one-on-one, whatever. I don't know, Johnny. I don't know. I think Pittman. I think they're going to design enough stuff for Pittman. I am not here. Look, I, I will not buy in to the Colts just being horrible. I'm not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. They will not be ignored, Dan. They're the Colts. They're going to find a way 
to try to make, at least attempt to make my life miserable because that's what they do. They've always done it. It's death and taxes. The Colts find a way. They've done it to the tune of, you know what? Here's what we're going to do to torment you, Vandermeer. We're going to not... We're going to not beat the Texans in 2022. The Texans will not lose to the Colts, yet you will still not feel satisfied. That's how we will torment you. What? How will that happen? This is me prior to 2022. And then I find out later there's a tie. And then there's a win for the Texans where if you lost, you would have had the number one pick. But I'm never going to be disappointed in a win. We've gone over this material a lot. But that's just the Colts in a nutshell for you. They always find a way to make me miserable. And I'm hoping they don't this year. Let's see if we could sweep them like we did in 2016. I've heard uh, Landry's mentioned this uh, about Calvin Ridley. And I think um, that is a, it was a, that was a savvy move by Trent Balky. That was a really, really savage move um, to, to pull that off. That's a futures just, move right there. That's that, like buying frozen concentrated orange juice at a low price right. and thinking that the price is going to go up Yeah, and we'll see if it does. Oh, okay. So along those lines, you kind of yep. brought it up. Yep. Scariest movie character, mm. Alex Forrest, Glenn Close and fatal attraction mm. or Annie Wilkes, who was Kathy Bates in the movie misery. Oh, Kathy Bates is scarier. Are you sure? There, there was some mental anguish that look, Alex Forrest put look, put Dan through. This is kind of like when you're picking albeit greatest of all he deserved time. it. He deserved it. This, it is, this is LeBron and Michael. <laughs> Just because you like one doesn't mean you think the other guy sucks, yeah. right? Just because you you think Kathy Bates in Misery is a lot scarier than Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction, it does not mean you think Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction is a dream date. Uh, true. I, I get right. that. I but understand. at least there was some dream date moments early on. I mean, the beginning went well, I think. I don't know. Maybe not. Oh, but you watch it now. You know, there's that podcast, The Rewatchables. Yeah. So if you rewatch Fatal Attraction... And know what's coming. It's not enjoyable at all. No, it's scene. not. You know, and even and they're I, redoing it. They're redoing as it. A series. Yes, it's a I series. I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen. It. I don't know how they changed it. Do they have too many boiling rabbits going? I don't yeah, know what they're doing. Man. But I think Kathy Bates' misery and folks who haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. He's trapped. He's injured. There's no way out. With Glenn Close, you feel like actually there's not a good way out of that either, no. except for what finally no. happened—the bathtub. That's what the Colts are too. The Colts are the bathtub. They're coming out of the bathtub. <laughs> you think they're dead, and then they they bounce out of the bathtub. Actually, uh, that's more like Mahomes or Brady or one yeah, of those yeah. guys. Uh, Fatal Attraction: A deep dive reimagining of the classic '80s thriller, exploring timeless themes of marriage and infidelity through the lens of modern attitudes towards strong women, personality disorders, and co- coercive control. That is going to be a mind bender. Mm. That there's a lot in that little preview sentence. But Fatal Attraction, yeah, what you said, I'm not, I will not be ignored, Dan. I, God, that movie is just ah. Oh, now they're making it a TV series. Mm, speaking of she's calling him at the office and the receptionist uh well it's his administrative assistant she's on the phone again he's like tell her i'm not here and so obviously she's already an accomplice almost yeah yeah. in his wrongdoing and it's just the plot gets so thick Uh, and herman munster's in it fred gwynn plays his boss in that movie no way yeah 
Because he played he played the judge in um, My Cousin Vinny. My Cousin Vinny. Yeah. Oh man, he has some good roles outside of being Herman Munster. He's I've really been showing good. Vander Kid too, the ten uh, year old. I've yeah. been showing him classic TV series, right? Yeah. So the one that plays the best for him is Gilligan's Island. It's just zany, funny. Yeah, yeah. I can see uh, that. You can identify. He can identify with Gilligan, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But you get the Harlem Globetrotters coming to town or coming to the island. Did they come to the island? Yeah. I think it was a little later <laughs> the in the globe, run. The Globetrotters. The Globetrotters, yeah. I think it was they one of those on made, made for TV movies later or something. I don't know. I think they were on the island during the show, but I, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll look it up. It's I'll, funny I'll to, to watch an now how they put the whole thing together. <laughs> anyway, go on. I'm sorry. Ginger and Marianne. I should ask that, but that, that'll be a question for a different either day. Either or. Ginger or Mary. I'm telling you, though. That's you a, know what that's I forgot about or that? that could go on forever. Okay, you know what I forgot about that, just since we're on the subject? Mm-hmm. Marianne. In my memory, I thought she was really girl next door, very cute, but girl next yeah. door type. Marianne is blazing hot. Okay, oh, Marianne yeah. is short shorts, mm-hmm. and it's she's the same thing. In fact, isn't there? I think there's a later movie where she plays the ginger part. Really? They, yeah, it came out years That's after the series, and she's perfectly capable of it so yeah yeah yeah. there it is no i told you maybe she did it in the animated one she did her voice or something like that there's something about marianne and ginger and there's that one episode where she poses as ginger and she does a fine job yeah uh marianne and ginger could create i mean there are probably some out there going what related Uh, yeah no no they uh they can dated reference but it, it is dated but i think people have looked back on that it's it's popular enough it's almost like pop culture scripture that passes the test of time. Right. I, I, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. What TV shows and movies have transcended time? Yeah. James Bond. Interesting. Okay. This yeah. one about the Texans in the AFC South. Okay. <laughs> Wit, now, this is a, this will be a tough one. Okay. Which 2022 first round pick of the Texans? will be the most improved player on the team, either Derek Stingley Jr. or Kenyon Green? All right. I think the easy answer is Stingley. However, I think Stingley played pretty well last year. He just wasn't available at the end of the year. And I think the way the defense was set up, it didn't showcase him, right? Yeah, that's a better way of saying it. For for lack of a better way of putting it. But I think Kenyon Green is going to really improve a lot this year. Now, he's got to get healthy. We all know that. He's got to get healthy. And D'Amico gave an update on him yesterday saying he's progressing or whatever he said. And I know we have some time here, Johnny, but we're two months away from camp. Yeah. That goes fast. Really fast. So that goes I don't care fast. what you're doing or not doing. Well, I do care. But the point is this. Two months will fly by. Mm-hmm. So anybody, like, I'll be ready for camp. Okay. Two months ago was the owners' meetings. Right. Two months from now is training camp. You've got to figure out a way to get on the field and make an impact. And assuming he can, I think he'll naturally get better. This system, the way they coach the O-line, I think he'll fit in just fine. I like the way you put that. I do think that it's often thought that, oh, Sting didn't play very well. No, I don't think that was the case. I mean, I thought I thought Sting played fine. You no, know, that second game against the Broncos, you know, Cortland Sutton got him a few times. Cortland Sutton's done that to a lot of a lot of really good defensive backs. Um, I I'm glad you put it that way because I think he played when he played. I thought he was I thought he was solid, but that second half of the season, where for a rookie, you typically see that growth and that mm-hmm. that rise, if you will. Um, we obviously didn't get a chance didn't get a chance to see that. So, yeah, I, I think Kenyon. 
I go back to this. I said this yesterday on a roundtable. You could all different questions in every question we talk about with the Texans and just NFL teams in general. You just have to couch with, well, you just got to be healthy. You have to be healthy. Yeah. And that was that was seen more so, I thought, with Kenyon last year. I felt like he tried to play through some things. And that, I mean, it was that Las Vegas game where he went out, he went back in, he tried to play through it. I think there is a level and a degree of toughness with him that I absolutely love. It's just a matter of now staying healthy so you can, I think, you know, Bill O'Brien was maybe the first one, person I, first coach I heard say this, but I mean, it makes logical sense, especially the rookie or young player. Every day that they're out there, they're stacking good days. They're learning something more about their game. The game is slowing down for them. They're just getting, uh, they're getting better and improving by the minute. But when you're in and out of the lineup, when you're not able to play because you're not healthy, then it's, it's start and stop. It's like Houston traffic. It's like you start, you're like, yeah, and then, and oh, the injury slowed me down. And then you got to slow down. They got to ramp back up. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of like that in some sense, and you don't want it to be uh, like that in some sense. On staying here, I know a lot of people talk about sauce, and rightly right. so. Sauce is great. Right. And staying, it's not over. It's one year. Right, right. He got hurt. And, Johnny, who has better defensive talent in 2022? The Jets or the Texans? Better defensive talent. The Jets were the fourth best defense in the league in yeah. yards per game. Okay, but we and got one jet over here, Sheldon Rankins. That's they, big. They were up in total points allowed too. They were fourth in the league in scoring D. The Jets were solid on defense last year. Yep. They were in year two of that total team rebuild. I know the Texans were in year two of Lovey's defensive system. I think the talent, though, on the New York side of things, maybe a little bit better than the Texans last year. I think this year yeah, the, tech, yeah. the Texans talent, I'm not saying it's better than the Jets necessarily, but it's going to be a lot better than it was. I think that the system, everything's going to help Sting. You're going to see a much better product out there from him and from the entire unit. If Quentin Williams, let's just say Quentin Williams were to sign with the Texans and not return, say the Jets are like, we can't sign him. Right. Texans are like, hey, we got money. We'll sign you. Come on, let's go. And they work a, work a deal. The total talent, the, the overall talent would be better here. Wow. But it would be there. Quentin Williams can flip that because he would be that good. They were fourth in the league. I know. I'm, I'm not saying they're, they're not, but Quentin Williams is a big part of that. Wow. So now you flip Quentin Williams over here, and Rankins is already over here. That's 50% of the, of the, the four man rotation they had That's last nice. year. And they were pretty good inside. Very good inside. That's why I got really excited about Rankins. So if you flip Quentin Williams, now I, I think Quentin Williams will go back, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. Okay. Uh, we've talked about the rookie quarterbacks a lot, mm -hmm. so I don't think that's uh, too much at issue. But I don't know if there's – it's hard to say because you got two rookie coaches and Shane Steichen and D'Amico Ryans. I'll put it this way. Who's on a hotter seat? Either Mike Vrabel mm. or the field. In in. Plus in the territory. AFC South. In the AFC South. AFC South. Is there anybody even close? Doug Peterson? No. Any of the rookie coaches? No. What about is it, GM is, in Indianapolis? GM in Is that seat getting warm if they don't could, start to perform a lot better, even though they're in a first year of a coaching staff? Could very well be. Yeah. You never know. Uh, I think Vrabel's seat, Johnny, it's tough because Vrabel's such a good coach. I know. They could go 5-12 and 12 
Vrabel could get fired. He'd have a job in 10 minutes. Two seconds. Yes. It would, I mean, two seconds. Right. He wouldn't even and I make hope, it home. I hope they mess that up. Yeah, because I hope it'd be they great to get him up. out of there. They People around the Titans have such respect for Vrabel. Yeah. Now, you wonder how it's going to go with Rand Carthon and that chemistry between right. them and right. ownership and everything. Because so far, it just seems kind of clunky. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. It might be great. Right. They might be the surprise team of the division this right. year. And maybe it shouldn't be that much of a surprise considering, yeah, I know they're replacing a lot of old linemen and some other things, but we just talked about Derrick Henry and maybe Tannehill's got enough left to turn them into a winning team again. Right. We all talk about it, how as bad as it was, they were playing for the division that final game of the season. National television fumbled the ball with a fifth string quarterback or whatever. Josh Dobbs, we love him, but he fumbled the ball and that happened and the Jaguars won. That's the other side of this. The Jaguars were that fumble and a little extra Tennessee yardage to get into field goal territory. Is that what they needed? I know what you're going to uh, say. Away from not making the postseason. I know what you're going to say. And then they yeah. had that horrible first half against the Chargers. You know, as much as we rave about Lawrence, and we should give him his due because that was a hell of a comeback in the postseason. I mean, my gosh, that's historic stuff. He still threw four picks in that game, you yeah. know? So good for him to overcome it, but he threw four picks in that game. I'm not here to say that, oh, it's Pro Bowls from here on out through the rest of eternity for Trevor Lawrence. You know I'm never going to give him that, Johnny, until he achieves that. I know that. So we'll see. Uh, I think Vrabel's seat is hottest. There's no or. I mean, possibly Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. And that's largely due to the unpredictability of ownership, which inexplicably assigned Sam Ellinger, the starting quarterback, quote, for the rest of the season in week five or whatever it was. I get it. Give Ellinger a start. But why do you have to announce he's the starting quarterback for the rest of the season? And then you ultimately didn't follow through with that because he didn't play well enough to earn that. They went to Nick Foles. And it's really funny how things have gone in that market and in Nashville. This is pretty interesting. The Jacks are the model of stability. Well, kind of. So after the bye week last, last year, they had a big comeback against Baltimore to win 28-27 at home. Mm-hmm. Thought they'd turn the corner. They went to Detroit and got hammered. Yeah. 40-14, to 14, got blitzed. Then they went to Tennessee the next week, and that was Tennessee starting to slide, beating by a couple touchdowns. The next week was Dallas. Remember they were down big to Dallas? And they came back. Came back. Had the bounce of the century. Then they got it. But give them credit. They, right. But then they went to the Jets. They faced Zach Wilson. They held them three points. Then they played us, held us three points. They were impressive in those two games. I'll, I'll give them that for sure. Yeah. But they had to come back against the Ravens. They had to come back against the Titans. Um, they were down in that game against the Titans, too. Ended up roaring back. Come back against the Cowboys. On their deathbed against the Titans, came back and won that. On their deathbed, again, against the Chargers, came back and won that. Now, I'm not going to sit here and dispute that Jacksonville is not the top team in the division um, at this point. But I could see – I mean – are they a top eight team in the league? They might be the best team in the division right now. They have they have the crown, crown them not for twenty twenty three but for twenty twenty two. They have the crown, but it can get knocked off. Yeah, and even if they win the division, it doesn't mean they're one of the best teams in the right. league. Listen out tough. Their their schedule. It's the first half. They go eight by week eight or nine at Colts, home Chiefs, home Texans. Home Falcons going to London 
Oh, I'm sorry, London for the Falcons. Then London again for the Bills. They come back for Colts at home, which they've always beaten the Colts, at New Orleans, at Pittsburgh. You, you tack on two London trips in the middle of that and road games at New Orleans, at Pittsburgh, at Indy. Yeah, but they should be a winning team through that. I have them losing three in that stretch. Then they come out of the bye week. Okay. Niners. Okay. Keep going. Titans. Both those at home. At Texans. Mm-hmm. Then Cincinnati at home. At Cleveland. Then home Baltimore. At Tampa. Carolina. At Tennessee to close it. Mm. I could see 10 and 7. Uh, 10 and 7. That's what I have. 10 and 7. It's certainly them. not over 11 and a half. I'll tell you that. It's not. I'll tell you that. It's not. It could be. But it could also be worse. Injuries, whatever. This happened, that, that, that happened. That two-game London trip, I mean, you don't know how that's going to take. I mean, there's no precedent for what, I know, but what if your it, body's going to go through through all that. If anybody can deal with it, they can. I guess. You'd, you'd I, get yeah, that feeling. Right. No, you're right about that. And it's, I don't want to call it a break, but like they said, they'd rather play the Bills in London than in Western New York. Either London or Western New York. But Man, Bill's Mafia is going to go to London. They're going to Oh, empty, they're going to be all about it. They're going to empty the piggy banks, yeah, and yeah, they're yeah, going yeah, to yeah. London. They're all going to London. There's no question about that. Not going to London is Drew Doherty. He stops by for In the Lab next on Texans All Access. What does having flair, well, wearing pieces of flair, have to do with the Houston Texans? Well, stick around because we talk about that right here on our In the Lab podcast with Drew Doherty and myself, John Harris. Glad you're with me. But we talked mainly about the offensive line. On Tuesday, D'Amico Ryans said that the offensive line might be the strongest unit on the squad, which I know people probably heard that and went, wait a second, I've seen an offensive line. Is it going to be? Yeah, it's going to be better. Drew and I talked about it right here on In the Lab. We had OTAs yesterday, right smack dab in the middle of our normal In the Lab talking time. So... Let's do it today on a Wednesday. Cool. I like that. Let's do it. And for the first time in a long time, it looks like on paper, knocking on wood, the Texans have a really good offensive line, and the offensive line will be the strength of this team. There have been question marks about it for the last decade, chunks of the offensive line. Now, you've had a great left tackle for the most part in Laramie Tunsil, and before him you had Dwayne Brown, but there was a stretch in there where you were kind of had to, having to juggle some things. Ooh. There was a stretch in there where the interior of the offensive line had some question marks and had some some flaws. As a fist, you know, five fingers and a fist. As a fist, sometimes that fist lacked a bit of punch, but it looks like you've got some thump behind that fist this year. Would you agree? When you heard D'Amico Ryans say that yesterday about the offensive line being one of the strongest units on a team, I do this with Mark a lot. What's your gut reaction to hearing that? I like that. It's in line with what we've seen and what we think, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, and kind of going off of what you just asked and what I was saying in the preamble, I remember Lovey Smith unprompted to me last year when we were walking onto the practice field at, at training camp, and he was mm-hmm. about to talk to fans. He saw Titus and he saw Laramie walking together, and he said, Drew, that's, that's probably the best tackle combo in football. I don't, he's like, I don't think any other team has a combo at tackle that good Hmm. and that's saying a lot yeah now in between them there there were some question marks there were some good play but you know i think this year going in it's going to be really really fun to see and it's it's like he said it should be a strength of this ball club and that's what you need that's what this think about the best texans team ever i think it's 2011 yeah and that had 
easily the best offensive line in franchise history. I think there are a couple things that aren't maybe discussed about the offensive line a lot. I mean, you mentioned one of them, and that's Titus Howard. I think one not often mentioned thing, I'll channel Landry and John, nobody's talking about guy, is the fact that Titus is playing right tackle for the second year in a row, mm -hmm. not moving to a different position. He's not being bounced around. Thank goodness. He's got his fit, footwork. He's got his hand placement, all that kind of stuff. He knows how to do it at right tackle. And he's back at right tackle. I think that is huge to his continued progress. Uh, and well, Johnny's in year five. Yeah, these guys, he's still improving year five. So I think that's massive. The fact that he stays at right tackle, don't move him around, even during OTAs, um, when, you know, Laramie was not there, Charlie stepped in a left tackle. They didn't move Titus over there. Now, they might they might in a game if they have to, but for his continued improvement and growth, leaving him at right tackle, huge. Secondly, I don't know that enough has been made about Shaq Mason's impact on this offensive line at guard. I, I am not one of those that thought A.J. Kane was terrible, horrible. I think they're different kinds of players, sure. A.J. Kane and Shaq Mason. But I think adding Mason and obviously signed a contract with his own beer for a little bit. When you put Mason next to Titus, well, you got something there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you really do have something there. So I think there's that. Those those two things. I, I don't know that. I think part of it for me, I'll be honest. Sometimes I forget we traded for Shaq Mason. Yeah. I sometimes forget it because we just haven't seen the team. It was one of the quiet, significant right. moves, not just by this team, but by any team in, in the sport. Here's the third one. I don't know. A lot has been made of, of, of this move. It kind of happened in concurrence with a, a number of other things that were going on was Michael Dieter coming over from Miami who has got center experience. He's got guard experience. I think more guys that you have on a roster that have got significant playing experience at whatever position. But if you have that versatility to be able to play center or guard, I think the addition of Michael Dieter is going to help this line, whether Dieter starts, whether he's the sixth offensive lineman, whatever the case might be. But I feel like those, those three things in particular, Titus staying at right tackle that, has been a topic before. Was Titus going to play right tackle? Well, no, he's a left guy. That's been a topic before. Hey, just leave my right tackle. Leave my right tackle. But then once the Texans did it, it's like everybody quit talking about it because he's now entrenched. But I think that's going to make him that much better a player. And oh, by the way, you have arguably the best left tackle in the league over on the other side in Laramie Tunsil, who I think will fit this offense handy glove. Well, you just said something there that's really important. Take all the personnel out of it. This offense, this scheme that you just kind of mentioned. Yeah. How much does it help offensive linemen, especially ones who have been playing in the offense that we've seen around here for the last eight, nine years? I think it helps a lot. I think the addition of Chris Strausser as the offensive line coach is going to help a lot. So you add in all of that, then you throw in the three things in particular that I talked about, amongst others. You look at it, and D'Amico is probably – he's probably saying that, and you know, he, if he were talking to you and I, he'd probably say the same thing. Hey, look – this is where it was. Hey, we had Chris Strausser's offensive line coach. Now we've added um, – we have now have a scheme that is a little bit more offensive-friendly, potentially. It's been very successful with offensive linemen that – you know, like Daniel Brunskill. You know, they took Spencer uh, Buford last year, who's from UTSA, played tackle his whole career at UTSA. They drafted him in the fourth round, stuck him in at guard, played guard, started at guard the whole year. So that was – Part, Burford was, 
he should have been drafted a little bit higher. But they took a guy that was a tackle, had never played guard, stuck him in a guard, and the machine kept running. Mm-hmm. And that's what you hope you can get to because you're going to have changes on the offensive line going forward. But if you're preaching a consistent message and the scheme stays relatively consistent, the coaching remains consistent, then everything gets better. If all that stays the same, then everything gets gets better. And at that point, once everything gets better, then all that raises its game up too. So I, when I heard D'Amico say that, I was in the back kind of nodding like, yeah, I, I think he's right. I think he's right about that. I do think the offensive line could be one of the better units on the team. So I ask you this. Is it the best unit right now on paper, on the team? What is it? If it's not the offensive line, I think it's the secondary. Okay. I think it's the defensive yeah. backfield. I, th- I think I agree. it's either 1-2 or 2-1, right. one of those two, because you've got the third overall pick in Derek Stingley out at one cornerback spot. And I think we saw really good things from him as a rookie. Right. I think he gets better in year two, no matter the defensive scheme he's in. And I think because he's in this defensive scheme, he's going to be even better right. than maybe he was in the other one. Then you've got a really solid, above-average veteran in Steven Nelson out at the other corner. You still have Desmond King. You still have Tavier Thomas, who did really, really nice things, mm-hmm. uh, both inside and outside last year. And then you add... A guy like Shaquille Griffin, who's got bona fides. He's got pelts on the wall. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a really, really good addition, really underrated addition. And then you've got a developing Jalen Petrie, who was lights out your leader on defense in 2022, mm-hmm. and he's getting better, and he's going to be put in a new position to flourish. And then you add a guy like Jimmy Ward. Yeah, who's been I'm pumped about Jimmy Ward. You know, and yeah. he's a leader, and he's doing all. The, I mean, he, he can play so many different positions, but he's going to play free safety here or safety here. Yeah. And I just, I'm really, I'm really excited about that secondary. I really think that that's going to be a strength of the team, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, I'll ask you this: I'll flip the tables back on you. Oh, hit if, that ball back over the net. If another position group winds up at the end of the season being better than those two, which position group do you think that would be? Running back. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair one. Running back. Because I I think the top I think the I mean you don't like the you know starters in the offseason, all that kind of stuff, but and especially running back because you do have changes, you know, personnel changes and third down backs and all that kind of stuff. But between Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary now, obviously, health permitting for all of this, but D- Damian Pierce and Devin Singletary are different from one another. And if they're both healthy and one's getting rest while the other one's going out in there toting rock or out on the field, you're going to keep them fresh throughout games. And that'll help you keep them fresh throughout the season. Now, with running backs, we know guys are going to get banged up. I mean, you're carrying, you know, you're getting, you know, how many of our touches in a year? Um, but, you know, let's say between them, I don't know, let's say Damian gets, I don't know, let's say uh, 300. Devin gets, well, let's just say 300, 200. I don't know. Let's, let's go with that. That's a lot of touches amongst backs, but I think that's what you're going to get out of these two. But I think beyond that, somebody's coming out of that group of Dario Gumbawale, Jared Dokes, Xavier Valet. Somebody's coming out of that group to either be hey, one of these guys got hurt, you got to step in that role, or 
hey, we just really love running the football and we want to give six to eight carries to a third back, kind of like San Francisco would do. Mm-hmm. San Francisco would roll out Elijah Mitchell and then they'd put Jeff Wilson in and then they would put uh, Raheem Mostert in the game. They'd all get carries. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, they'd go with the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it was Mostert, sometimes it was. But they would, they would play three backs. So I got a feeling that of those backs, Mike Boone being another one um, in that group, I think one of those other backs emerges as – a pre- someone you feel confident about behind Singletary and Pierce. So you're saying kind of along the lines of 2011 where you had Arian Foster, Ben Tate. Right. And was it Derek Ward in 11? I think or? it was Derek Ward in 11, yeah. yes. And then the next year you had that same duo at the top, but swap out Ward with Justin, Justin Forsett, Forsett, who would yeah. wind up winning a rushing title a couple years later. I mean, I don't want to say that's the the, the San Francisco Shanahan, yeah. you know, Mike Shanahan before him sort of thing. But I think if you want to run the football, it the, the math works. Yeah. The math tells you, yeah, you're going to run it. You want to you want to run it. Say you want to run it 20 times in a game. 17 games that's 340 carries. Now, Backs, when they get 300 carries and 300, I mean, just say 300 carries because you're going to get touches in, in other ways too. I mean, a back getting 300 carries, that's, that just can't happen. But if you got a back, let's say, Dan, let's just take that. 20 carries a game, 17 games, 340 carries. Let's say Damian catches, catches 40 passes. If you cut that number, say he carries it 250 times, then you give him another 50 catches, that's 300 touches. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, that's a ton. So where are the other carries going to go? Right. Well, one of those guys gets banged up. I'd like to see it go to Singletary because I think he's shown that he can handle that load. But I think he can be a one-two combination. But there's going to come a point in the year where you're like, man, somebody's banged up from that that duo. Pierce or Singletary is banged up. Which guy steps into that void? That's going to be interesting to watch to me, that third running back job. Tuesday at practice, it was steamy. It was in the 80s, felt like in the 90s. And I look up, and Damian Pierce has on – Was it, is it called a baklava or balaclava? But basically, he has like a ninja mask where all you yeah, can see yeah, is, yeah. Is, is that cut out around his eyes. <laughs> right, I thought right. that was fascinating to see, and I hadn't seen yes. it on a Houston Texan since our good pal Antonio Smith mm-hmm. used to sport that. So I wonder how much more we're going to see of Damian Pierce wearing the ninja hat. I like it. Keep wearing the ninja hat. The why? ninja why hat. Why in the heat, though? Yeah, why not? Why not? That's, that's a real cavalier. Why not? I don't know, man. I don't know. I I don't I don't have any issue with what guys. Well, I shouldn't. I don't say have that. an issue with it. I'm just wondering how much longer will he do it, and isn't it too hot? I'll put it this way: if you're gonna wear something with flair, like that, yeah, then you better be pretty good. You can't be out there stinking up the joint, wearing a bunch of towels and wrapping up, you know, spatting up and doing all that kind of stuff. If you're gonna go out there and have bits of flair on you, you better be a player. And he's a player. There are some that I can remember that were not players that like to wear their flair. And again, let me be clear. Flair's good if you're good. Flair not so good if you're not so good. So just it's a pretty simple formula as it pertains to flair. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then go watch Office Space. You know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. What are pieces of flair for football? Uh, Spatted up, towels, towels. I don't know what Damien was wearing the other day. It was like a ninja mask or something. I don't know. Any and all of that works as pieces of flair. All right, let's go around the NFL quickly when we get back right here on a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline report for your Houston Texans. Let's go around the NFL and talk about calf injuries 
apparently in New Jersey. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, somebody put out a picture showing Aaron Rodgers doing some pre-practice training exercises, and one of those is pulling the sled, the little tiny sled. You put it on your waist, and you carry it. It's got weight on it. And apparently, Aaron Rodgers strained his calf doing those, as somebody put on Twitter. Uh, 18 years in Green Bay, he never did that. He did it one day in New York, and, well, there you go. So it looks like he's going to be okay. So if you're a Jets fan, but uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, not so great. Now, have not heard an update on Al Lazard. Al Lazard left practice. Um, it sounded as if he was going to be okay. But he left practice, and uh, apparently he got hit. Um, hmm, that's the right way of saying that. He got hit somewhere where, uh, for guys, it's not very good. Um, if you know what I mean. He got hit down south. And, of course, that took him out of practice. So this is the power of OTAs, though, because those things hit Twitter. Al Lazard left practice and never came back. And everybody's like, oh, my God, he tore ACL. Uh, he got Achilles. What, what is it? He strained a hamstring? No, no, no. He got hit in the Canadians. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, the power, it's the power of OTAs, man. Everything that comes out of OTAs is news. We are so craving for NFL news that those two, uh, those two situations, I don't want to say blew up, but they kind of took over the Internet. And that's, well, it's fun and all, but uh, still still sort of crazy. Uh, there's still no conclusion to the Washington Commander's sale to Josh Harris. Spring meetings took place up in Minneapolis, and the owners uh, decided on a number of things, including one that I swear I was so mad I forgot this one. But it was decided that the NFL teams can go back to a rule that they had in the early 2000s of having a third quarterback on the roster that doesn't count against the 46 or 48 game day uh, roster. It's an extra player to have. Obviously, everybody saw what happened in the NFC Championship game. And so if you have 48-man roster, which you can have on game days if you have eight offensive linemen, then you get a 49th player with your third quarterback. I think that helps the, quarter, uh, the, the Texans immensely, to be honest. Um, I think it really helps them. Now, the third quarterback can only come into a game if there are injuries for the, ter- the top two quarterbacks that day. So that's uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. But interesting stuff coming out of the meetings. But what did not come out of the meetings was a sale to the commander. So there you have it. There's the show. Appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate Mark and Drew and all of you for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.